0: I'm glad you're here. My name is Josh, and one of the pastors here as well. And uh, kids, you're with us today. Where are you? Oh, that, there's only like two of them, evidently. Where are you? Now, like, let me hear you. You can shout. Let's me, hear, let's me hear you. Like, in other words, go, hey, I'm here. <laughs> Van, you're my hero, buddy. Van's speaking for everybody. Hey, kids, we're glad you're in here this morning, and uh, I'm going to need your help a little later, Okay. So I'm going to need some help from you in a little while. So, hey, I wonder, um, are you somebody who brags and boasts about anything? We all are to some degree, aren't we? Um, do you ever brag about anything? you ever boast about anything? It reminds me even thinking about bragging or boasting. The first thing I always think of is these three boys out on the playground at school. I've probably heard this story before, but the first one says, uh, they're bragging about their dads. They're bragging about their dads to each other. And the first one says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem, and they give him $100. And the second kid chimes in, the second boy chimes in, bragging about his says, Oh, that's nothing. You think your dad's cool. My dad, he scribbles words on little pieces of paper, and he calls it a song. They give him a $1,000. And the third kid, not to be outdone, he chimes in right away. He's like, I got this. He goes, guys, my dad, you don't understand. He scribbles words on a little piece of paper. He calls it a sermon. It takes eight people to collect all the money. <laughs> Do you ever, it's kind of it's fun when little kids brag, isn't it? And when they brag about their dad, and uh, I'll have to teach Charlie that one. <laughs> so he's ready later. But, you know, adults brag too, don't we? I found, a, I found a handful online this week. This is the tombstone of James T. Whitehead. And I don't know if this is real or not, but if it is, I, I kind of like it. He, he writes on the top of his tombstone, it says, The Noted Hunter. I don't know if you can read it or not. James T. Whitehead, born 1819. During his life, then in the middle, killed 99 bears. At the end, died September 25th, 1905. Then underneath, we hope he has gone to rest. I just thought that was kind of funny. But bragging can backfire sometimes, can't it? When you boast and brag. Uh, This, in particular, was the weigh-in of an MMA fight. And, uh, you know, they're getting weighed in. And then uh, the guy gives him the Mr. Miyagi, you know, karate kid move. And then this is in the ring at the end of the fight, the other guy giving him the move right back <laughs> after he knocked him out. That kind of backfired. Uh, this guy, his name is Rob. He, he was bragging on Facebook about uh, his training. He was training for a 5K. He said, I ran the 5K in 10 minutes. Training's going good. He says, be the first person to like this. That sounds good. If that was your friend, you'd probably like it, right? Well, his buddy Cal chimes in and he goes, uh, wow, the world record is 12 minutes. It kind of backfired on him. He said he'd run his 5K in 10. You tracking? You get it? Not that funny? All right. I thought it was funny. This one, this one I think, is, is my favorite, though. This guy uh, playing for the Lakers, and uh, he, makes, he takes a shot. He thinks it's in. Nope. It's not in. Just over and over and over. It's pretty good, isn't it? He thought he made it. I wonder, do you, do you ever boast? Do you ever boast? I wonder, what is it that you're boasting about these days? What are you, what are you bragging about? Well, this, this morning, Paul's going to wrap up his letter to the churches of Galatia, and uh, we're going to close out our series. And in doing, he leaves them with a final image on boasting. And uh, he's going to ask, basically, in a kind of a roundabout way, what is it? Ask us, what is it you're boasting about? What are you boasting about? Let me pray. We'll read through the text, and then we'll try to unpack it together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your goodness to us through him, for your grace to us, uh, that you search us out and seek us out, that uh, you save us, you and you alone, not by any of our effort, but all, Jesus, by your work and by your grace. Even as we've studied that over the last 12 weeks now, as we wrap up our study of the book of Galatians, Uh, I pray that would, uh, if it hasn't already, that it would continue and begin for some to take root deeply in their hearts, that it's all grace. It's all Jesus about you. It's not on us. Remind us of that truth and of our true identity daily. I pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. He would uh, lie to us and um, accuse us. He does daily before your throne. But, But we have an advocate, Jesus, in you. So Holy Spirit, teach us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's our passage to wrap up Paul's letter to the Galatians. He says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. We'll talk about that here in a moment. He goes on, he says, it's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So Paul's reached the end of his letter. And uh, often at the end of Paul's letters, one of the things he would do is sign it with his own hand uh, to avoid some kind of a forgery or just to emphasize a point. Um, in verse 11, he says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. So far, uh, this was common actually in, in Paul's writings that he would dictate to a scribe who would write out his letter on the scroll and then that would get sent. And some attribute this to a handful of things. Some say, well, it was Paul's frailty or his unfamiliarity with writing in Greek because he was more familiar with Hebrew. It's all, all theories and kind of. Um, Speculation, Or uh, just his eyesight, he couldn't see very well. Or just, it was just how Paul worked. He had an assistant who helped him. In fact, I think in the book of Romans, the assistant is actually mentioned by name. Um, and I'm, I should have wrote it down. I'm not recalling it off the top of my head. But the guy who wrote the letter for him, and then Paul signs it in his own hand. Well, he does this in Second Thessalonians, Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians. And here he says, see with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. Now, why large letters? Was it again like his eyesight? Was that it? Uh, was it the fact that Paul wasn't good at writing a script of Greek like the scribes could and he just wrote in all block letters, you know? There, there's some other theories, though, too, I, I think that bear some uh, weight here. Uh, uh, perhaps um, Paul used these large letters. I think most, most commentaries agree he did it deliberately. Either because maybe he was treating his readers like children, so he was rebuking their spiritual immaturity by writing to them like a little kid would write in crayon. You know, it's big letters. Or uh, more likely, I think, simply for emphasis. See, for you and I, you know, you're typing a letter and you really want to make a point. What do you do? You hit cap locks and bold, and then you let them know what you want to say. Pay attention to this. And maybe even underline it. That's what Paul's doing. I mean, it's kind of him underlying, hey, pay attention to this, and these are my very words writing this. And in doing all this, he again contrasts himself with the Judaizers, these these people who were imposing more rules than what the gospel did on the people at the churches in Galatia. See, that's the whole point of this book, and Paul wraps it up here at the end. The entire point of his letter, he's writing to these churches that had started believing Well, let me back up. When they came to Christ, they believed the gospel and and, in simple faith trusted Jesus and were saved. But then some Judaizers showed up, and we see them showing up in different places throughout the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 15, I'll read some of that a little later, they show up saying, you have to be circumcised, you have to become Jewish if you're really going to obey Christ. And it's not just faith, it's also all these rules that actually saves you. Not just grace, but, but rules. It's legalism. And Paul's combating their false gospel this entire letter. And he stays with it to the very end. He goes, it's those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, verse 12, who would force you to be circumcised. See, these Judaizers show up and uh, they're telling people that they have to be circumcised to be saved. They have to obey the rules to be saved. Not just trust Jesus uh, in faith by grace, but but also do something on their own. And Paul's told us over and over, that, that totally negates the gospel. Then you're trusting in yourself. You're not really trusting in Jesus. Like if you're having to add something to it. He says, and, and those people who, want to, who, who would force you to do this, it's, he says, they just want to make a good showing in the flesh. In other words, they just do this to look good and to boast about themselves you know what boasting is? Boasting is bragging or speaking with pride about something. Now, if you boast in the right things, that can be a good thing. But most of the time, in our own pride, we boast in the wrong things. And in this case, these people, they just wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. They either wanted to uh, uh, to prop themselves up compared to these people who didn't follow all the rules because they did, or Paul's actually going to tell us, if you keep reading it under verse 13, he says, um, in fact, uh, they don't even keep the law themselves, though, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh, so that they can boast about how effective their ministry is and, and all the people that, you know, that they've brought to, to faith and, and all the good works that they've done. Paul's whole point here, he wants to convince them that real Christianity isn't a matter of of external observance, but it's a matter of internal change. It's substantial. It's not superficial. Well, what are they boasting in? These these guys are boasting in their religiosity, right? Uh, And I told you, Acts 15, the first five verses, it says, some men came down from Judea and they were teaching the brothers, and this would have happened in, in multiple places. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's what the Judaizers taught. And then in verse five, it says, some believers who belong to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it's necessary to circumcise them. Make them in other words, make them follow all the law of Moses, all the rules in order for them to be saved. And Paul says, no, this is, it's hogwash. <laughs> That's nonsense. The only requirement to be saved is to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. To repent of your own way of living and turn, that's what repentance means, turn to Jesus Christ. And why did they do this? Well, they wanted to make a good name for themselves. See, here's the deal. And he says, look at the end of verse 12 too. He says, in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You know, Paul told us in chapter five that, that the gospel is really offensive to the human heart. It's really offensive to people people find it insulting to be told that they're too weak and too sinful to do anything to contribute to their salvation. And even to this day, people balk at that. They balk at, uh, that, no, it's not just grace. You also have to get all these things right. You gotta follow all these rules. Oh, you're, you're just such a wishy-washy Christian. And what they mean by that is, not that uh, you're not living out your faith, but that uh, you're not doing enough good things to, to really follow Jesus and be considered a Christian. It's, it's by faith. And then that life change happens, friends. See, people find it insulting, though. They're, and Paul says that they don't want to be persecuted. That's why they're, they're preaching rules and law. They don't want to be persecuted for their faith. The gospel, see, it's offensive to liberal-minded people. Did you know that? Because uh, people who charge the, uh, charge the gospel with intolerance because it states that the only way to be saved is through the cross. So, someone who's liberal minded says, No, the, the gospel is intolerant. That's not, no, you gotta, you gotta be tolerant. But then, uh, conservative minded people will be offended by the gospel too. Because the gospel states that without the cross, good people are just as bad as the bad people, if not worse. It's universally offensive to people because there's nothing you can contribute to your salvation. Nothing. The world appreciates religion and morality and they think that it's good for society, but when you teach the truth of the gospel, which is not religion, but grace, they, they just, that's nonsense. It's offensive. And so by adding these things to the, just the simple truth of God's grace, they were avoiding being persecuted for that, Paul tells us in chapter in, in verse 12. And the reality of of what your boasting does is it reveals the heart then of what you worship. For for these people, it revealed their heart that actually they weren't worshiping Jesus, but they were worshiping all these rituals and traditions and all these things they had to do. And ultimately, they're boasting in themselves, not in Jesus Christ. Your boasting reveals, it totally reveals the heart of your worship. I wonder, what are you boasting about? What are you boasting about? It reveals something about you, about what you worship. Do you know what worship means? Worship means what I ascribe worth to. So in boasting, I'm ascribing worth to something. It reveals what it is that I worship. Is it, uh, and, and you know, here's the thing. Here, here's the tricky thing about, about our sin and about boasting and all of these things. is It can be really subtle because sometimes we can just boast in, in good things and yet still, still be totally off the mark. We can boast in right doctrine. Oh, we, you know, our church, man, we, we got doctrine right, which I hope we do, right? By God's grace, I want to be corrected when it's wrong. Uh, we want to follow what God's word says, and that's a good thing to be, be excited about. But, but when I boast in right doctrine to the expense of boasting in Jesus Christ and him crucified, then really, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not boasting about what's right. I'm boasting about me being right, and not about the righteousness I received from Jesus Christ. It's a totally different thing. Or um, maybe boasting like, like these guys did. Paul said in verse 13 that they, they boasted, they, they just wanna boast in your flesh. Sometimes we can boast in ministry activity and we can find our identity or, or any good work and we can find our identity in what we do. And uh, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm... Uh, Zach, can I pick on you? Because you're like one of the best singers we've ever heard here, right? And you do awesome. We're thankful for you. Amen? Yeah. Would you agree? Zach over here. Zach. But if, if Zach, and this is not Zach, he's, he's a pretty humble guy and uh, doesn't do this, but if Zach got up here and, um, you know, every time that we started a song during rehearsal, if he just goes, well, you know, as, as a really good singer, I wouldn't sing it that way. <laughs> you know, I would do it like this. And then he, he spouts it off, you know, and it's really, really good. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's That's good. But, but if constantly you're always hearing, well, well actually, I'm a really good singer, and uh, as I sing, and his heart isn't worshiping Jesus then, is it? What's his heart about? His identity is in him singing. And now, I know Zach, and that's not true of him at all. It's just not, so you need to know that, Zach. I don't see that or think that. And you do a great job, and we're thankful for you. but you can find your identity in what you do. And you can boast in that rather than in Jesus, in some ministry activity. And that's what these guys were doing. They were exalting in their achievement. I wonder, what are you boasting in? It reveals what you worship. Do you get more excited about Purdue football or about a baptism? That's an easy one. Okay, not Purdue football. What about, uh, I'm just joking. Sorry, I couldn't resist that. But what, what, what are you boasting in? What are you boasting? And it reveals about what you worship. See, your external boasting reveals what's true of you internally. He says in verse 13, For even those who are circumcised don't themselves keep the law. They're boasting about the law, but they don't even keep it. They they just want people to come to their side so that they can feel good about themselves. They desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. See, religion, friends, this is religion. Religion... uh, It doesn't save. It it actually uses people. Religion uses people. Uh, But Jesus, on the other hand, loves people. Religion uses people for personal approval or for gain. Religion always leads leads to us boasting about something about ourselves. It always does. How do you first describe and understand who you are? Is it as a, a child of Jesus Christ, saint who still sins, but or, or do you find your identity first in some activity? Religion causes us to boast in ourselves. Paul says boast in Jesus. See, here's the deal. Boasting in anything other than Jesus, including ourselves, do you know what it is? It's wasted breath. It's wasted breath. It totally is. Now, um, kids, I asked you if you could help me for a little bit, right? So if I could get a handful of you just to, to come up here and you can just come stand up here, that'd be awesome. Why don't you come up here and uh, I'm gonna need some help and as you're walking up, any of you wanna come, just come on up, it doesn't matter. And if you don't wanna come, that's okay too. But as you come up, um, I want you to think, what is it? Go ahead and you can just hang out right down here, just have a seat. What, what are some things that maybe uh, you've heard people brag about or what are some things that you've, better yet, what are some things you've heard your parents brag about? <laughs> you guys, just have a seat. Just have a seat. You're fine. What are some... <laughs> gotcha. Hey, what, what, uh, what are some things you've heard people brag about? What do people brag about? What do you got? Doing math and science. So sometimes, yeah, I'm, like I'm really good at math or I'm really good at science, so I've got a balloon here. So let's pretend that I'm bragging about that, right? And when I brag, <sniffs> blows it up a little bit. Okay, what else? What else, Van? What do you got? Um, video games. Video games. I'm really good at video games. Like, what's, what's your favorite video game? Um, Super Mario Odyssey. Good choice. <laughs> I'm really good at Mario. I'm really good. <laughs> what else? Okay, they're wealth. They, they get money to spend. They got 20 bucks in their pocket and then go spend it on whatever they want. I'm rich. I feel good about myself. Do I have the smiley face right side up? There we go. What else? What do you got, bud? Say it again. Lying. Sometimes they boast in their sin, don't they? What else? Okay, I'm a really good drummer. I'm I'm the best drummer in the world. What else? Either one of you guys, go for it. I'm funnier than you. Looks aren't everything. What else? Faster than you. What else? What is it? Is it getting red? I'm out of breath. What else do people (laughs) brag about? I'm just, I'm better at things than you. You get nervous down here? No? What else? I can hold my breath longer than you. You want to blow it up? All right. <laughs> what else? I'm taller than you. What else? I'm smaller than you. Is that a fat joke? No. What else? Go for it. Okay. Well all Right. And and it's just. <laughs> See when, when when people brag about themselves, they just brag, and they feel pretty good. You know? Because that's why they brag, but really, you know what it is? It's just wasted breath. It's it's totally it's totally wasted. And even if they can maintain it and maintain their brag about who they are and what they're boasting in, it just you know, oh I'm so cool. But it it just falls, it's empty. Now, now hold on a second. Here's, here's the deal. Be careful there, guys, so you don't pop it. Let's, hey, let's let him have it. Now, there's another option, though. Oh. See, the gospel tells us, and Paul says that he boasts in Jesus Christ and in him alone, right? And so people who boast in themselves, it's just wasted breath. It always ends in emptiness, and they're... And and really it doesn't amount to anything. Like they puff themselves up, and either they get so big it just pops on them and blows up, or it it just fizzles out, or it just falls to the ground and worthless. But and it's all their effort. It's all their own effort. But, But when I trust Jesus, it's not quite this noisy usually. I'm not doing anything to be filled up and to be given an identity, am I? And it actually, uh, it actually changes who I am and makes a difference in my life. And that's nothing I can do on my own. Would you like it, Abby? There you go. I got one more. All right. Whose dad has made the biggest, craziest brag? No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) There you go, pal. There you go. If I had more, I'd give you more. But why don't you give these guys a hand? Go have a seat. See, boasting in anything other than Jesus is wasted breath, it's wasted breath. It doesn't amount to anything good or lasting in your life. It amounts to emptiness. Paul says, rather than boast in myself or in ministry or in in you, I boast in nothing except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you boast in Jesus, for those of you who are already getting upset because you've got to look at these balloons the rest of the time, just, just remember. Listen, it's no effort on yours. It's all the effort of Jesus that, that makes you new and lifts your identity and changes you. And Paul says, I boast in nothing but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he says, by which the world has been crucified to me. It's dead to me. The world's dead to me and I'm dead to it. You know, lasting change, you know how it happens? is when you understand your identity in Jesus Christ, and you realize, you know what? I'm dead to the world. I'm dead to that sin. I'm dead to that. Now, when he says that, uh, uh, by which the world has been crucified to me, what, what Paul's saying is that for the Christian, there's nothing in the world now that has any power over them See, the thing that you boast in actually has power over you. The thing you boast in has power over you because you're finding your identity in it. And when you boast in your sin or you boast in the things of the world or you brag about that, that has power and it's holding you down. And Paul says, "Look, look, I'm dead to that. And because he's dead to that, he can actually enjoy the world. He can actually enjoy other people who are different than him. He can actually enjoy wealth because he's dead to it. He's not saying it doesn't exist or that it's dead. He's saying, I'm dead to it. It has no power over me anymore. He's not saying that I have to have nothing to do with the people of the world or the things of the world. Ironically, uh, Tim, Tim Keller, this is a quote from him. He says, ironically, if I must have nothing to do with the world and must be separate from it, then the world still has quite a bit of power over me. Did you catch that? If I must have nothing to do with the world, if I have to separate myself from it entirely and just live in a bubble, then the truth of the matter is, if I have to do that to honor Jesus, the truth of the matter is the world actually has quite a bit of power over me. But in reality, Paul says, no, I'm dead to that. So I can enjoy people in the world. I can do all these things without sinning. I can truly love people. Because it's not about me and my worth and my effort, but it's all about Jesus and I boast in the cross and that's where I have my worth and my identity. It's freeing, friends. It's the sweetness of being free. When you truly understand the gospel, you're free. You're you're dead to that stuff. Instead of being bound by trying to gain more and more and more wealth to find worth and value in your life, you can just go, you know what? God's given me a lot, and I get to enjoy it. Praise the Lord. I can give it to other people. I can give it to my kids. I can enjoy it. I don't have to strive for that anymore, or or even just your self-image of of who you are, what you look like, how God's made you. I can just enjoy who I am, because I boast not in me, but in the cross of Jesus Christ and him alone. (coughs) See, Paul boasts in the cross of Jesus. He does this in other letters too in Philippians 3. He says, uh, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. It's no trouble for me, it's safe for you. But look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, those who look to mutilate the flesh. See, for we're the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. And we but we put and we put no confidence in the flesh. It's all in Jesus, in other words. He says, but if anybody has reason for confidence in the flesh, I do. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. And he goes on and on and on. And he says in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And I've told you before that word rubbish is not just talking about trash, it's talking about a steaming pile. Probably from a dog. Dog dung is how it could be translated. That's how he counts all of his good works all of the things he, we wrongly find our identity, and that's, the, that's what they amount to compared to the cross of Jesus Christ. And all of those things result in nothing, but the cross creates life change. He goes on, he says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. It's not what you do or what you haven't done, but it's being a new creation, verse 15. In 2 Corinthians, he says, for all who are in Christ then are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. In in, in Galatians 2, in chapter 2, he told us that, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That's my identity. That's who I am. See, all those works, they count for nothing. Just makes me think of kind of that illustration, right? You never see a hearse behind a, or you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Think about it. It all counts for nothing. You can't think anything with you. The only thing that matters is being a new creation. See, uh, bo- boasting in anything other than Jesus is wasted breath. What you boast in has power over you, but... Jesus' grace leads to freedom. He says, as for all who walk by this rule, now Paul calls uh, the, following the gospel a rule, peace and, heart, peace and mercy be upon them. It yields peace and mercy in your life and upon the Israel of God. Now, uh, I don't wanna get in the weeds here too much, uh, but when he talks about the Israel of God, uh, my, my conviction is there are, Two distinct peoples of God. There's Israel, who He's made promises to that He's going to keep, and then there's the church who uh, uh, trust Jesus, basically believers who are not Jewish and part of ethnic Israel. And uh, when He says the true Israel of God, He's just referring to the Jewish believers who truly believe the gospel, who have trusted Jesus Christ and become Christians. From now on, look at verse 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. Quit bothering me, Paul says. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Um, don't doubt me, he says, I have the marks of real apostolic authority. And, and he did. He could have been, you, you can go read in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, starting, 2 Corinthians, excuse me, tra- starting in chapter 11 through chapter 12. And you can read about all the marks that Paul had physically on his body for following Jesus. He was tortured, he was beaten, he was, uh, you, you name it, he was shipwrecked. He was ill. All of these things for the sake of Christ. And then he tells us, he tells us, just so quit bothering me. I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Now, you know, the thing is in, in North America, we don't have many physical marks on our bodies for following Jesus, but I'll be honest with you. I've got, I've got some emotional marks. I've got some social marks on me. You may too for following Jesus. And, uh, He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. It's kind of the same thing he had said last week in in verse nine about uh, those who have have heard the gospel teach to share all good things with those who teach it. We talked about what that meant financially, but it also means um, just in terms of encouragement and in terms of uh, not complaining about everything, but making it a joy for those who lead you to serve you. And to follow their leadership. Paul's saying, let no one cause me trouble. And then finally he ends here in verse 18. He says, with exactly the point of his whole letter, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Friends, grace is the entry point to being a Christian. It's the entry point to salvation. It's the beginning. Grace is all of the middle of following Jesus. After you trust Jesus, you're made new and now you start to live like it. But you're not living that way to somehow earn God's favor. You're living that way because you're new. See, see those things don't count circumcision or uncircumcision, only a new creation. And so you're living those things out and you're bearing fruit. And it's all by grace in the end that you'll, you're, you've, you've been saved, you're being saved and you will be saved. It's all grace. It's not on you, it's not on me, it's all and cared for by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, uh, as we uh, continue forward, um, we're going to take communion together. And so, uh, ushers, if you have ailments elements for communion, let's go ahead and pass those now. And uh, as those come, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him, um, then you're invited to celebrate communion with us. If you haven't become a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to do so um but uh but if you haven't and you're not sure if you want to I would encourage you just to just to pass on communion this is for those to remember what Jesus has done for them there's very much a spiritual significance there's nothing magical or anything like that about it but there's significance there parents you have your kids with you um it's totally up to you uh, whether or not you would like them to participate with you and with us in communion Uh, You know their hearts. You you have that relationship with them. You can use this as an opportunity to teach them, Um, but they're welcome to. We don't have an age where we say, uh, only at this age can you celebrate communion, Um, but it's a matter of heart and understanding. It's an outward expression of something that's happened and taken place inwardly in our hearts. So as that continues to be passed out, let me pray, and then we'll uh, take the elements of communion together. Let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. For your grace to us through Him, for your goodness to us, Jesus, I pray you'd help us to uh, to boast in you and in you alone—not in ourselves, not in uh, our activity, not in other people, not in anything, Jesus, but you. Because all of those other things are empty. They they might puff us up for a while and we'd feel good for a bit, but in the end, it's worthless. And the only thing that's lasting, Jesus, is you and your grace. Pray for those who've never trusted you, that today might be the day they turn in faith, Jesus, to you and become a Christian. Recognizing their sin, their need for a savior. And that, uh, knowing if they would simply call upon you and believe in their hearts that they will be saved. We love you. We thank you for Jesus, Lord. And we pray all this through him. Amen.